Welcome to Old Walls House. It's me. It's your main man. It's your host. It's Old Walls. I'm back. Another week. Another great episode coming your way, guys. Got a fun one. We're talking some football. We're going to talk the Green Bay Packers. But before we do that, let's touch on that housekeeping. If you guys could, please comment, rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. Let everybody know. Get the word out there. Old Wallace House is here. So again, as always, I appreciate all you guys for listening. I appreciate all the support. Thank you guys so much. I, I, I'm just blown away every week. So thank you, thank you, thank you. As I said, got a fun show coming. Talking Green Bay Packers with the big cat, Bill Gardner, this week. Uh, get into the season and talk about what we kind of think there. Uh, there's a golf tournament going on. Don't know what's going to happen in it, but I'll talk about it briefly. UFC. This weekend, I have some good stuff to talk about there and some stuff going forward to talk about. And as always, my passing thoughts. So, without any further ado, let's waste no more time. Let's get to the big cat. Joining me now, special guest, returning guest, the big cat, Bill Gardner, back to talk some Green Bay Packers football. Bill, how you doing today, buddy? Doing good, Walt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, I appreciate you coming on. We got uh, you know the season's right around the corner. Are you uh, ready to have your uh, heart ripped right out of your chest again this year? Yep, that would be the the norm at this point. Yeah, that's uh, that's been our conversations, and and Bill and I basically have a, a text thread that goes in football season Sunday from you know noon till three or three till six or eight till midnight where we just bitch about the Packers, and then we pick it right back up the next week and try and tell ourselves, don't get your hopes up, don't get your hopes up, and then about week 15 every year, we get our fucking hopes up, and then the first or second round of the playoffs, we're just bitching to each other about how much we hate life. So I don't know if I could have summed that up any better. Could could you have? No, that's, that's pretty pretty accurate. We, uh, we always tell ourselves, you know, it's the same thing as always, it's not. This isn't going to be the year that things change. And then, it, you're right. About week 15, we have ourselves and probably a little bit of talking to each other. We're convinced. We're like, you know what? This is the year. This is the year it's going to happen. And it never does. Oh, and it ends the same. Some just absolutely brutal playoff loss. Whether it's like not scoring a touchdown, losing to the. The, the Bucks and kicking the field goal, just getting steamrolled by the 49ers. Like, and it's they found different ways to lose in the playoffs, like in heartbreaking fashion, too. It's not like just the same way. Like, it's a blowout one year. It's like feeling like you were close the next. It's just an absolute debacle on special teams the following. So they've really found a way to just run the, you know, fill the whole space of just different ways to just tear us apart. Yeah, there's been so many different ways. There's, like you said, the games where they go into overtime. Rodgers never even touches the ball. Um, the special team stuff. I did see on uh, speaking of the special teams, all the Madden rankings came out. The Packers special teams are dead last. Fitting, fitting. I think Madden nailed that, and they probably nailed the receiver situation. I think you sent me the. 
the screenshot of the Packers uh, receivers the other day. Let's see if I can find that. Yeah, there it is. Top and uh, top receiver for the Green Bay Packers on Madden. Sammy Watkins coming in at 79. Sammy Watkins hasn't been good in like five years, and they view him as the number one receiver. So we might as well just start there with the receivers. What uh, what are you kind of thinking this year going into the receiver core? Like, what what do you think the Packers are thinking? And then what are you thinking how it's going to go this year? I know that they're going to rely heavily on the run. So I think they aren't as concerned with the receivers as, like, fans are. Because as a fan, you see Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, and Randall Cobb. You're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> it, it doesn't look great, but I think they have, you know, enough confidence that they're going to run the ball and play defense. Um, and you still have Rodgers. You know, I, I mean, look at Lazard. People are talking about him being their number one as an undrafted the third, fourth year maybe. I think he got cut by the Jags at one point. Like, that's their number one receiver. Like, so I don't know. Apparently they're not too concerned. But as a fan, it's, it's a bit concerning. He sounds like a Packer wide receiver already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he said something pretty good there. I think they're really going to try and become like a run-focused team this year. Um, and just kind of go like two-headed monster with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And you've kind of always pointed out to me, like, Matt LaFleur, like, wants to run the ball. Like, that's his DNA. Like, he wants to pound the ball. And So do you think that's you're, – you're kind of hinted at it. You think they're just going to go f- full in on that? I think so. I think they'll, they're going to lean on that pretty heavily. Um, you know, maybe – he might need to take the the shotgun dive out of the playbook that he loves to run in the worst possible situations. Um, but yeah. outside of that, I mean, they they usually run the ball pretty well, and then they'll then they get away from it, and then they'll come back with a shotgun handoff up the middle and get stuffed for a two yard loss. Yeah, there's nothing in football I hate more than that inside handoff out of shotgun to a running back going from a dead standstill position to trying to, like, find a hole, like, two seconds into the play. Like, by the time the ball snapped, like, and then he's just standing there, and he's like, oh, ooh. And fucking Penn State runs it all the time, too, and I just have to watch it on Saturday, and then I have to watch it on fucking Sunday, and I want to blow my brains out because it just, it's, it's maddening to me. I'm like, why don't we just get the running back, get him a little bit of momentum, get him moving up the field just a little bit. But yeah, for some reason, uh, Lafleur seems to love that play call too. Yeah, I mean, you could you could go right, you could go out of the eye with Dylan, just right up the gut. I mean, you could go, you know, kind of outside with Jones in these situations. He's got the, the quickness and stuff to get outside, but he loves to. I don't know. I just don't know. He, he's really really dead set on using that play a lot. Yeah, if I never saw that play again for the rest of my life, it would be uh, it would be a great day. Um, another thing, so while we're talking the run, I mean, obviously one of the key things to a run is a good strong O-line. Uh, David Bakhtiari got put on the, the pup list right before we started. You and I were trying to figure out what the, the pup list actually means. Uh, it's kind of confusing, but it, we kind of boiled down to it. seems like they're just giving him more time. H- how are you feeling going into the season about Bakhtiari? Are you optimistic, pessimistic? Do you, do you think there's something more that we don't know? 
what uh, what do you what do you think about him? So I read that he's going on almost eighteen months since he tore the ACL, which I think is a very long time. I guess compared to these other you know players in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, most of these guys are back within a year, sometimes a little bit sooner. I mean, and he's he's way past that at this point. Um, I did read he had issues when he tried to come back last year. He played one game, I think. Yes. Um, and he had, there was swelling, there was fluid on the knee, uh, issues, and I'm pretty sure it said they went back in again and did some more to it. So, I mean, it's, it's not looking good. <laughs> like that, things aren't lining up to, to be great here, but hopefully this, this public thing, hopefully they're just giving him more time but it is a little concerning when you're this far out from the actual injury and you're still dealing with it. You know, well, remember that year, Adrian Peterson, wasn't he like nine months removed Yep. from an ACL tear and he comes back and runs like, he's like the yard leader or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when Bakhtiari came back at the end of last year, I was like, okay, right on schedule, like just about a, like a year to the day. He'll be back. He'll be ready for the playoffs. And then it's like, oh, things started happening. Like, you know, plays one game, then doesn't play more. And now it's just like every time his name pops up, it's like, oh, he's on the pup list. Oh, it's, you know, it's been kind of a set. It's like setback after setback. And it's like yeah. at a certain point you just wonder, like, is this ever going to progress forward? And, you know, he's so crucial to the line. And I believe we said Elton Jenkins was on the pup list too, like, those are two very good linemen. I mean, Bakhtiari, possibly the best in the league at his position, left tackle when he's healthy. And Elton Jenkins really stepped up in a large way the last couple of years with him out before he got hurt. So uh, that is a little worrisome. I'm a big believer in, you know, you're only as good as your your offensive line on the offensive side of the football. So hopefully the uh, the piecing together can just still be done and, and fit in people into the right spot and kind of you know making the sum of the parts uh, a little bit better than the individual yeah it's, it's been bad you know the injuries across the O-line I mean like you said Bakhtiari goes down with the ACL he's an all-pro uh, Jenkins goes down I don't know if he's been an all-pro all-pro yet but I'm sure he will be at some point in his career um, and then last year they lost the Myers kid at center, who they really liked. Yep. Uh, I know Rodgers really liked him, was really impressed with how he played as a rookie, especially being a center. He had a knee injury. He missed the whole second half of the year. Um, so I know at one point they were playing that, uh, I think there was like an undrafted guy at left tackle, uh, two rookies at guard. They signed some dude off the street to play right. It was bad. Like, yeah. By the end of the uh, year, the offensive good. line was just a disaster area. Like there was, like you said, undrafted guys coming, people coming in that hadn't played earlier in the year. So hopefully that can be avoided. <clears throat> Even if Bakhtiari's out again, like just hopefully there can be some like consistency on the line. Because I think I can't remember this. Don't quote me on this, but I think I remember seeing that the Packers had like by far, like, the most combinations of player on the offensive line, at least in the NFC last year, if not the NFL in general. And, again, I may just be making that up, but I feel like I saw that 
at some point late in the season. That that would make sense. I mean, a bunch of those guys got plugged into like a different spot every week. You know, Billy Turner was right tackle, then left tackle, back to right tackle. Mm-hmm. Yosh Nijman playing left tackle. Jenkins bounced around before he got hurt. So, yeah, I'm sure they they that would make sense because it was it was something different every week. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, even if like I said, even if like the big guys aren't back, just a little consistency. I think would do them well. So, kind of going forward, just looking at the schedule here, I, I kind of had an idea. Just maybe we'll break the schedule down into like four game stretches and, and just kind of quickly cover them as we kind of give like a little season preview here. So, the the first four games of the season, they host the Vikings in Week One, host the Bears in Week Two, or sorry, no, sorry, they're at the Vikings in Week One, host the Bears in Week Two at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three, and then host the Patriots in week four. So really get the season started with uh, not really like much wiggle room. Like you got the Bucks coming to town, you got two division rivals, and then the Patriots who seem to be an up-and-coming team with a young quarterback who should be you know even better uh, as he gets going into another season. So I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, man, if you get out of that 2-2, two and two, uh, that's okay, and 3-1 and one would be pretty damn good where, where do you kind of land there three and one would be very nice but i could see them i could see them maybe dropping to the vikings to start the year they i mean i think the last couple of years they started pretty slow uh was last year the beat down from the Saints. yes week one yeah so i could see them dropping to the vikings probably to the buccaneers I think they should be able to handle the Patriots and the Bears. So two and two, yeah. Hopefully three and one, but two and two is probably realistic. Yep, and then they kind of get a little reprieve, kind of, in the next set of games. Um, they go week five. They go to the they play the Giants, but that's in London. They come off of that no bye week after that. They come right back to Lambeau. And they get the Jets. Then they're off to Washington to play the Commanders. And another away game in that stretch, they are at Buffalo. So, um, only one home game in that next four-week stretch. Granted, that home game is against the the lowly Jets, but, you know, gosh, you got to go all that travel. Like, it wouldn't be out of control to see them drop one to the Commanders, like, going back-to-back, you know, going back-to-back after the, uh, the London game and then traveling out across the country to D.C. And then a tough one against Buffalo, I mean... Uh, that that kind of just seems like a tough stretch. And I'll, I'll, I said four-week chunks, but just kind of keep it rolling. They go again week nine at the Lions, then week 10 at the Cowboys, and then week 11 at the Titans, at Philadelphia, and then at Chicago week 13 before they get to their bye in week 14. So I know I jumped ahead there for a second, but kind of back to that first four-game stretch, you know, Giants in London, back home to the Jets, Commanders at the Commanders, and then at the Bills. I mean, where do you where do you see that playing out? Anything that you know jumps off the page to you there? Traveling to London's going to be tough. You know, that's like you said, with time zones and no no downtime in between those games and all that travel. Um, but you're getting the Giants and the Jets, mm-hmm. so those two games should be won. You know, travel aside, they should win those two. They should honestly. They should beat Washington. 
but that's another one where, like you said, the, that's one I could see them dropping that they shouldn't. And then the, I, they probably won't beat the Bills. <laughs> that's, yeah. a big that's a uh, that's a Sunday night game. I've got that one chalked up as an L. Um, I think we'll learn a lot about them in that Giants Jets Commander stretch. Like if they're going to be a yeah. good team, those are games they should just take care of, and they should win, and they should win. You know, not handily, but it shouldn't be too much of an issue. If they're struggling yeah. through those games, I think it's going to tell us a lot. Yeah, because that'll be week five when that stretch starts. So you've had oh a month, a little over a month now of live football. So you should be ready to roll. You know, you should, everyone should be on the same page by that point. So they should, like you said, five, six, seven. Those three games, if they're going to be a good team and compete at the end of the year, they should win those easily. But yeah. we will say, yeah. So I mean, looking at that, we're looking. I think six and two, five and three coming out of that stretch is probably where they should be. Um, I mentioned these already at Detroit. Again, that's a game that should be won. Uh, the Cowboys at home. For whatever reason, the Packers have done pretty well with the Cowboys, but we'll see how long that lasts. Then uh, the Titans at home, that's a Thursday night game. And then at Philadelphia. So that's this might be one of their tougher little three-game three game stretches of the year. Um, getting out of this one, 2-2 two and two would be okay, I would have to imagine. And 3-3, three and 3-1 three, three and one would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I can see... Uh, win against the Lions. I honestly think they could beat the Cowboys because, mm-hmm. like you said, they tend to play very well against the Cowboys. Um, so I could see them taking that one. The Titans don't really scare me either. Um, I could see them taking the Titans. The Eagles make me a little nervous. Um, the Eagles seem like a different team. and may that, A lot of that may just be like media hype right now. But the Eagles seem like they might be good, but of those two, even like even I said, I, I think they can beat the Cowboys because they play well. But I could, I mean, I could very easily see the Cowboys coming in and winning. Mm-hmm. Like it could be, I could see it be one of those games where the Cowboys come in and just roll. Yep. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to do that to some people this year. Um, yeah, I think they're also going to lay some eggs this year, as they kind of have. I don't think, I don't think they're going to be a vastly different team than they've been. The last few years, and then just tack that last one game on before the the buy is uh, the Bears back at home, uh, or sorry, back in Chicago. So again, should beat the Bears both times. That yeah. shouldn't be an issue. So you know, it should be for the for the home stretch. They should be in good shape. Um, so what are we thinking? You know, somewhere with four games left. You know, somewhere between four to six losses, which isn't terrible. You know, uh, a chance to get to you know somewhere between thirteen and eleven wins. I think that'd be a pretty good spot to be in. Um, and then the last four games of the year are the Rams in uh, Lambeau on Monday night, at the Dolphins on Christmas Day, and then the Vikings on New Year's Day at home, and then the Lions at home to end the season. So, again, I think that's you know three pretty winnable games. And, you know, kind of one toss-up game that you're going to find out, you know, a little bit about the Packers again. So, uh, just uh, just to bring us home, give me some thoughts on those. Week 15 with the Rams, Monday night game. Mm-hmm. I could actually see them winning that game. Um, 
December in Lambeau, going to be cold, not but really. It being, but it being like a tough win. One of those ones where cause it's going to be a Monday night, so we'll be up stressing, the, stressing it all night long. It'll probably come down to the very end. And then because I'm seeing like maybe like a real tough game there, you know, maybe they drop the next one to the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Just you know, get a little beat up maybe. Because um, I'm going to get for the, they're going to get up for the Rams. Yeah. Like you said, Monday night in Lambeau, they're going to get up for that game. So they might come out of that one a little beat up if they can pull out the win, but I mean, they could obviously lose just as easily. Um, so I could see them dropping one to the Dolphins, depending on how that game against the Rams goes. But then, you know, when it matters, Vikings, Lions, you win those games. Yep. Yeah, I think there's... I think, Go ahead. I think they could come out. My prediction was like when I saw the schedule first, I was thinking 11 to 12 wins. Yep. And you win, you win the NFC North with 11 to 12 wins, I think. Yeah, I think definitely. I'm just counting games now. Yeah, just spinning through like I, I wasn't pay, like looking real hard. I, I got to thirteen. I mean, obviously that I was just like being very, um, you know, very optimistic there. So I mean, if there's if I see thirteen, then twelve or eleven is probably good. And like you said, I think eleven and six is going to win the NFC North. Uh, probably the the Vikings being the biggest, you know, the biggest threat in the division. Otherwise, would you agree there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think. I don't think the Lions are quite ready. I mean, they they seem to be trending in the right direction. They added some good guys in the draft, um, but I don't think they're they're quite there yet. And then I just don't. Chicago's just. I think does Chicago have a new head coach? Yeah, I believe so. And they also have a new GM as well. Like, was well, there a lot of change there? Yeah, a lot going on. Yeah, Matt Eberfluss? Eberfluss? I don't even know who that is. So, a lot of change in Chicago. You still have Fields, who had a rough year last year because that place was a mess. So, I don't, they're not even close. To, yeah. They're ready to make that. The next I, move in that division. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they're a year away from starting, like, the, the journey to being, like, a good team that's competitive. I think they're going to. Just have to eat it one more year, uh, and Detroit, I think, is very much in that that same thing. So, I think again, it's the Packers' division to lose um, for all that's gone on in you know the last you know thirty years of being a Packers fan. Uh, it's been their division to basically win or lose. Maybe not thirty years, but since the realignment to the NFC North with the four team divisions, it's been their division to lose, and you know they can kind of control their own destiny in that sense. Yeah, you still have Rodgers in the floor. So to win 11 and 12 games should be very doable. Yep. Well, you mentioned our good old buddy Aaron Rodgers. What uh, what do you think the future holds for him? I think he's got, what, three years left on his deal, including this year, if I'm not mistaken. What what do you see for the future of him? Do you think he plays out all those three years? What Do you think he finishes up as a Packer? Just give me some thoughts on that. I think he finally came out and said, like, he's going to finish in green. But, you know, it might not always be up to him. Um, because he wavered there for a while on what he wanted to do. But then he did, I guess he did say, you know, he wants to finish in Green Bay. But, like, you know, they might decide it's time to move on. 
before these three years are up. Um, I think they got this year and next year. I would say year three of that contract is a big question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this year and next year we'll have them. But I, after that, I have no idea. He's, he's gotten very uh, – this incredible. Greatest of all time. But he's gotten to this point now where he's like one spiritual hike out into the woods <laughs> from just completely – changing and like turning his back on football i think yeah hanging out with uh blue of the earth uh a couple more times and god knows which direction that takes him right yeah he's uh i listen to the, the pat mcafee show and then they have rogers on every tuesday and he's a very like enlightened spiritual person which is that's cool that's great um and he's still very competitive, though, so that's good. You know, he still has that competitive fire to come back each year and, you know, keep trying to win games. But he, he is uh, – he's, he's shown very much that he's not one of these guys where football is everything to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he is into, like, taking care of himself and his mental health and his well-being. And I don't know if he'll be the type of guy like Brady, you know, to stick around so – mid 40s yeah I could see him having a couple good more years you know maybe they get lucky and get a Super Bowl in there and then he hangs it up I could see I could see him going out that way um just because he always talked about on these like when he goes on these shows talking about enjoying his life mm-hmm. uh, so we'll see where that takes him yeah I would agree with you in like the off the field aspects him and Brady are complete opposites like fo- like you said football is not the end all be all for him like I think Tom Brady goes home and thinks about football and dreams about football and wakes up and thinks about football all over again like I just don't see that in Aaron Rodgers like you said he's very into himself like the spiritual stuff and and just is not your prototypical like eat sleep and, and drink football so like you said, hopefully we get two more good years. Maybe we uh, we sneak out a, a, a Super Bowl here. Or at least at least find a way to get to one. Like just let's do that. I, I feel like I feel if we if I see a Packers loss in a Super Bowl, it ain't gonna feel good, but it's gonna feel a lot better than losing in the divisional round. So yeah, would you? Uh, what would you rather see them not make it to the playoffs or go to the Super Bowl and lose? Oof. Probably Super Bowl and lose, because at least then you get like the enjoyment and the rush of like the whole season and the playoff run. Like I think that's what's been so disappointing about. I, I will say I'd rather see them just miss the playoffs than lose their first playoff game. But for sure, if they can get to the Super Bowl, I think I'm taking that option. Yeah, because that that'd be a fun ride. You know, you're gonna get the the games leading up to it, and that'll be a ton of fun to watch. But yeah, I mean. I can't. A Super Bowl loss would be a tough one to eat. Yeah, I say that now, and then I'll want to hang myself watching the Super Bowl and watch them lose 28-4 to or something like that. Well, Bill, anything else you got Packers-related or uh, NFL-related or anything else before uh, before we call this a day here? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really excited for the defense. I think last time you had me on, we talked about the draft picks they brought in. Mm-hmm. But they've brought back, I think, everyone. Yes. 
Um, everyone has, is back, and they've added a couple new pieces, and I'm, I'm excited, you know, because that's something we've talked about for years as well, just getting run over and run through. The defense was bad for so long, and now it's, they got a chance to be something pretty special here. Now they got a, a really good core of guys, and they added to it. So hopefully, you know, it, it pays off. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and yeah, we were very kind of offense-centric um, in our discussion, but yeah, like you said, defense bringing everybody back, the corners and like safeties being good so that they don't have to give a bunch of help out there can really help, I think, what the problem, you know, in the the past was, I mean, the whole defense was bad, but like just watching like people run right up the middle for like six and seven yards every time. And if you don't have to put in, like, seven seven defensive backs to, like, cover everybody, uh, they can actually, like, commit to stopping the run a little bit, which would be very helpful because just watching your team get just chunk played by handoffs up the middle for four straight quarters is just brutal and probably just demoralizes the defense. Yeah, there's, there's nothing as deflating as, like, seven, eight yards every time someone right up. You know, right up the middle, right down your throat. I mean, it's just, I'm sure it's terrible to watch it happen on the field, but even if they're here and watch it's like, come on, someone's <laughs> got to do something. Yes, agreed. Well, man, I think uh, I think that covers it. And I mean, I just missed the defense totally here, but I think that covers it now, unless you got uh, something else we were missing on here. No, I'm sure we'll, we'll think of something here in the, in the future with the season creeping closer i'm sure there'll be some more stuff that comes up yep and we'll definitely have you on to uh to talk about the packers i'm sure uh you'll be a little bit more of a, a regular guest here the next couple months so we'll look forward to having you back and until then i appreciate uh, you coming on thanks for having me so let's talk a little golf we got the uh the 3m open going on i think it's the 3m open is that what the yes 3m open up in minneapolis up at tpc twin cities at the time of me uh, recording this, there is no uh, there's we've not reached a conclusion. The fourth round has uh, gotten started, but has not finished. Uh, at this current juncture, none of the leaders have teed off. But looking like Scott Piercy out in front, he's got a a four shot lead before he tees off. He's at eighteen under. Uh, Emiliano Grillo is at fourteen, and then Doug Gim, Tony Finau at thirteen, and Tom Hoagie. At 12, uh, a couple guys at 11, including uh, Sung J M, uh, and then three tens. So, have to imagine anybody outside of that is is too far back. How far back is too far back? You may ask. I think uh, I think 10th probably too far back. 11th probably too far back. So, I think there's probably a five horse race: Piercy, Grillo, Gim, Finau, and Hoagie. And uh, if Scott Piercy just goes out and puts a decent round together. Got to imagine he, he pulls it off. He's not going to, you know, can't shoot even. Guys have been uh, going low out there. He's got rounds of 65, 64, and 66 already in the book. So very interesting from him on Saturday was that he had a blood blister on his foot and was playing with his one shoe untied and then would take his shoe off to walk the fairways. So... Uh, we'll see how that blister uh, healed up overnight. If he got some new skin on it and is able to, you know, to to work through the pain, if you will. So 
yeah, Scott Piercy out in front at the 3M Open. Uh, I may be able to like throw a, you know, a, a segment in at the end that you know gives a wrap up if uh, if that's possible. Don't know. Have some have some travel this evening, so might be able to pull that off. Also in the golf world, uh, big news: Henrik Stenson heading to live. He is the was the Ryder Cup captain for Europe for 2023. That was immediately revoked. So now that's kind of the big news is, you know, Europe needs a Ryder Cup captain. So be interesting to see where they go from there. Kind of interesting that they got him. Big kind of steal for Liv and saying, hey, we stole away the Ryder Cup from you. You know, that's kind of an important thing that the PGA Tour and, you know, PGA of America and the European Tour operate. So kind of a, a coup, if you will, there that they got them. And then just one last thing on the, the live front. Don't want to, you know, just bang away on live again this week. It's, it's been a topic that uh, has come up a ton lately, unfortunately. So, obviously, the big thing with live is they're going to need to get official world golf ranking points for them to kind of be successful. It's kind of a theory out there. So, I saw a tweet from, I don't know who this dude is. He's, he's always tweeting about world golf ranking stuff. Nosferatu, his actual handle is VC606. Always has good stuff on world rankings. So these are the projected rankings for some of the live players at the end of 22 with the assumptions that they don't play in any more OWGR events. And this is based on the, the current system in place. It's a very distinct possibility that they are all out of the top 50. DJ would be at 50. Answer and Gooch would be, you know, 52, 53 by the looks of this. It's a graph, so it's not exact. Nas seems to be at 60. Brooks at 61, 62. Louie, 68, 69. Casey in the 72 range. Bryson in 90. Patrick Reed under 100. Sergio under 130. Poulter, Westwood, and Phil all down around 150. So world golf ranking points going to be very important for the live guys. There were talks that they were going to all go maybe play together because they'd all have to go together to an Asian tour so that they, you know, they bring their combined strength of what they have left in world golf rankings and bring that event up so that they can earn some more points. But if they don't get points soon, and I mean, it's, there's supposed to be like a year long probationary period for this. All their guys are going to be so tanked out of the, you know, in the world golf rankings that even if they do get full ranking points, you know, next year, their guys are not going to be bringing a lot of points to the table. And then, you know, they'll just keep falling. It's like a, it's like an endless cycle. If you don't have the points, you can't earn the points. So very interesting to see. Obviously, kind of the next big catch would be if they get world golf ranking points, then you can kind of make the play for the next set of guys, you know. You can make your plays for your your Cantleys, your Shawleys, your Cam Smiths, uh, that ba- that batch, and then they can bring in their their high rankings, and you know then they boost their the points. So, just a couple interesting things there. Uh, that's about all for the Golf 3M Open wrapping up today. I say Piercy pulls it off. Piercy pulls it off. Four shots. That's that's plenty. So that wraps up the golf. Let's talk some fights. We had some uh, some UFC this weekend. No boxing that it interested me or that interests me for the next couple of weeks. So 
UFC. We're talking UFC this week. We'll be talking UFC next week. So let's uh, let's start with the event last night, the uh, UFC Fight Night Blade versus Espinal. I think I'm saying that right. Espinal? Espinal? Hmm, who knows? Tom Espinal and Curtis Blades were the main event. But let's start down the card. Patty the Batty. Patty Pimblett with a second round submission over Jordan Levitt. He continues his kind of upward trend. Makes a nice little speech uh, post-fight uh, in, you know, kind of for mental health. So nice little touch there. But yeah, Patty Pimlet, Patty the Batty continues to draw eyes, draw attention, talk shit, gets it done in the ring. So uh, in the octagon, rather. So good, good fun fight there. Didn't catch the, the co-main Jack Hermanson with a three-round decision over Chris Curtis. Hermanson now, I believe, ranked eighth. I don't know if those rankings are new today or were before, but ranked eighth in the middleweight division. So a good win for him. Curtis is kind of like a fringe uh, guy. I think he was like 14th or 15th maybe. So a good win helps move him up the ladder. So definitely an opportunity for him to kind of keep going there. And then in the main event, kind of a disappointing <laughs> end. Uh, it just happened fast. Uh, Aspinall had a knee injury. He threw a kick, came back, hit his knee, and then was down on the ground. Like I said, 15 seconds in. So Curtis Blades gets the TKO win there. Uh, I believe that's the second fight night in a row with a disappointing ending because of an injury. Um, just uh, what was probably going to be a pretty fun fight never got to never got to materialize. So. We, uh, we look forward now. We go forward. This weekend, UFC 277. Kind of a decent little card here. Kind of a decent little card. Headlined by uh, Julia Pena and Amanda Nunez, too. In the co-main, we've got a pretty much a, a number one contender fight in the flyweight division. Brandon Moreno and Kai Carafrance. Uh, Derek Lewis, my balls is hot, Derek Lewis, is matched up against Sergey Sergey Pavlach. And then we got uh, Alex Pereira's and Alexander Pantoa. Oh, I probably butchered that one. And I know I'm going to butcher this one. Light heavyweight to kick off the pay-per-view. Magomed Ankalev. Ankalev? 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 Magomed. We're going to call him Magomed. Against uh, Anthony Smith. So, uh, decent little card here. Uh, obviously, the Peña and, Peña and Nunez fight. Some uh, some unfinished business there. A rematch. Peña knocked off Nunez in their last matchup back in December. So, see if see if Nunez can come back from that. Like I said, Brandon Moreno and Kai Cara France. That's a number one contender fight. They are ranked one and two in the flyweight division. The champion there is Davidson Figueroa. Figueredo. Gosh, I am just butchering names today. It's really impressive how good I am at that. So that should be a banger. My balls is hot. My balls is hot is always in fun fights. Someone's probably getting knocked out. That's just the way it goes. Either he's knocking somebody out or he's going to go in there and, and get starched himself. So that should be a fun one. So to my picks. To my picks. We'll start with my picks. I think Pena shocks the world twice. I like Moreno. I want to say Derek Lewis, but no chance. Sergey Pavlovich is gonna probably smoke him. I'm in. A, I'm in a real toss up. I'll go with uh, Alexander Penteo. Is it Penteo? Penteja? 
Pentea, probably Pentea, Pan, Pentoa, Pantoa, maybe Pantoa. Let's go with Pantoa. That's going to be the, the way I say it. And then uh, Magomed is probably going to put it on Anthony Smith. That's a, a good name for to put on his resume. So my brother's picks. He's been hot. I think he's only lost. So if he's done five, he's only lost one fight like four times, and then one time he split two and two. He's gone like three and one or four and one every time except for once. So. Let's see what he's got here. Remember, he was formerly the worst better of all time, or not better, picker of all time in UFC fights. So he's going Magomed, Pantoja, Pavlovich, Morena, Nunez. So we both agree on Magomed, Pantoja, Pavlovich, Moreno, and then I'm going Pena. So a lot of agreement there. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out, and uh, see who comes out on top. It really all boils down to uh, Pena versus Nunes for uh, for us. And then just in some future UFC news, I saw a tweet of this that um, added to UFC 280 was going to be Sugar Sean versus Peter Yan. Uh, UFC 280 is going to be Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev for the vacant lightweight title. And then they also have Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady uh, listed on there. So, yeah, Sugar Sean apparently is going to fight Peter Yan. Uh, When you look at it online, it doesn't pop up, but he said it in an interview. So that would be a really fun fight to see happen. Would love to see that. That's a huge step up in competition for Sugar Sean. Peter Yan's a badass, so would love to see that uh, go down. So, We'll, uh, we'll be talking about UFC 277 next week, no doubt. Time for some passing thoughts, don't you think? I think so. Saw this. Saw this. The Santa Maria, you know, Christopher Columbus's ship, the, you know, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, 19 meters long. 19 meters long for the Santa Maria. The Nina was 15 meters long. And the Pinta was 17 meters long. A 19 meter long ship is 62 feet. About, what, 20 steps, give or take? Yeah, I mean 19, 20 steps, about 3 feet and a step. That some bitch hopped in that thing and said, let's just go around the world. And he thought he was going to circle the world. And he ran into, you know, North America, obviously. Whoopsie, found out there's something else there. Um... But 19, 19 meters, 62 feet. He's just out there in the middle of the ocean in a 62-foot boat. I mean, shit. They make just like wakeboard runaround boats that are like 25 feet, like a third. So just put three of them together and you're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go in the middle of the ocean. Sons of bitches were crazy back in the day. So just for like comparison, I I pulled up like the largest ships you know, the largest, uh, you know, cruise ships in the world. You know, the the longest one uh, I think I'm seeing here is like 362 meters. You know, of the top 55, they're all about north of 325. I, I'm trying to find the, the shortest one on here. 311, 311 meters, which is 1,000 feet, over 1,000 feet. So, I mean... Just insane. 
insane. You know, 19 meters. That's all it was. That Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. And 19 meters of a ship. Which is just absolutely silly. Other things that are silly. I, I love when... <laughs> and again, this, is part, this isn't like one side does this and the other side doesn't. Democrats and Republicans both do this. As like gas prices go up this year... You know, all we hear is the Putin price hike, and it's not my fault. We don't have anything to do with it. Now gas prices are kind of coming down, and the government, the Biden administration, like, oh, we're so great at this. The gas prices are low because of us. And, like, Trump talked about how low the gas prices were because of him. You think that some bitch would have been like, oh, yeah, it's my fault they're going up? No. They're always like, they're always taking credit for the good and be like, it's not my fault when something bad happens. Dickheads. Um, other things that annoy me while we're on that subject, had to take my, uh, had to take Boomer in to get some, uh, some shots. He had to get some updates on his vaccinations. Why are vets and, and doctors for that matter, why are they never on time? Ever. Like I had like an appointment. I don't know what time it was, but like, say it was like 10, say it was 10. I don't remember exactly, but so I got there a little before. Cause you know, if you show up on time, you're late. Five minutes early is on time. I'm a big believer in that. So I get there early. I'm ready. We go in there. And I have to wait for like 20 minutes. It's annoying as shit. And of course I take him to the same place they, you know, chopped off his, uh, you know, his his balls. So he's like, shit, nothing good happens here. So my dog's freaking out for 20 minutes. It's like, god damn it, can't you guys just be on time? And doctors are the same way, too. I show up to my doctor's appointment early, and then I have to wait around. If I show up late, they'd be like, nah, we're not getting to you today then. But if I'm, uh, but if they're late, ah, of course. You know who's kind of got it figured out? They kind of got a good system? Dentists. Dentists. They're like, you, we'll send in our, you know, our, our, what are they, the tech or dental assistant or whatever. They're like, they'll do their thing. We'll spin by when we got time, but then they're doing all their stuff. And then we just kind of come in and poke around a little bit, and then we can kind of make it work. I mean, I know that's kind of how it works with doctors, too. Like, the nurse comes in, and, you know, they do their stuff. But you got to wait for them, too. So, vets and doctors. Let's get a little bit better system going here. What do you think? Saw this. Saw this. A tweet. A tweet from a gentleman by the name of Jesse Kelly. I'll read it. I will never understand the love for the beach. It's fun for maybe an hour, swim in the ocean, grab a little tan, chill a bit, then it's boring, hot, and nothing worthwhile is happening, and sand is everywhere. Yet people love the beach. Give me a good lake any day. A million percent agree. The beach is fun, I'll I'll say for more than an hour, but like two or three hours? Like, go down, hop in the ocean, hang out, chuck a football, frisbee around for a while, you know? Build a sandcastle, dig a hole or two. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm still a 12-year-old at heart. I can get behind that. But, like, then what? I'm just supposed to sit there all day? Like, people do that. They're just like, we're just going to go to the beach and sit around all day. I don't get it, man. I, I, I can't do it. If I'm going to do that, like, I like the lake. Then I'll hop in the lake. Maybe if you got a boat, you take the boat out. Grill some burger. But then you get all, you can just go back and around. And I do. I like lakes better. They're, uh, they tend to be a better temperature, first of all. Like, half the time, the ocean you get in, I mean, I guess I only have ocean experience in New Jersey, 
and it's always cold, like so cold. Even the warm days, like it's, it's like the cool pool that when you're in it at first, you're like, ooh, ooh, this is a bit chilly. By the time you get going, like it, it gets to be better. But that's like a good day. Some days it's like so cold, you're like, holy shit, I don't want to be in here. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm big on the the lake above the ocean, lake above the beach. I'm all about it. I saw two funny, uh, funny like tweet things, or you know, you click on one of those Facebook articles, and they're like, these thirty things were funny this week. This was the one I thought was really good, from uh, Gross Dorian. The fact that people used to deliver pizzas before GPS is so absurd to me. People were really calling up a pizzeria and like, I want a large pizza delivered in 30 minutes. I'm going to give you a house number and a random street name. Good fucking luck. I love it. It's so funny because it's so true. Like, I guess, I mean, you'd know the town. You were delivering it in all likelihood. But you probably had to have a map like sitting up somewhere in the, you know, the back of the pizza place. Like, okay, this is where this is. We're going to go here. Like, I, I think about that. I mean, when I first started driving... We didn't have, you know, we were just getting to the point where you could download, like, the, uh, the the navigator on some of the phones. But then, like, you had to pay, like, four or five bucks for it. And, you know, the, the cost to, to run it was kind of expensive with the data. So it, it takes me back a little bit, you know, printing out printing out MapQuest directions. And then you miss one, and you're like, oh, shit, now we got to go back and find it. How far past do we go? You'd be looking at your odometer and be like, okay, in 2.4 miles. And you're like, okay, I'm at 39,400 miles right now so at 39,402.4 I'm making a right turn so yeah and uh the pizza thing because like you said most places are like yeah we'll be there in 30 minutes so you gotta hold up you gotta hold up your end of the bargain uh two more funny tweets I saw that this was part of that kind of same article from Mariana Z if you're cremated after you die you can be put into an hourglass and continue to participate in family game night I love it. I'm going to do it. I don't even know if there'll be a family game night for me to participate in, but I want to be put in an hourglass and someone flip me over and they're like, oh, that's a nice hourglass get there. Oh, yeah, that's Jordan. He's dead now. We burned him in that and tossed him in there, so you're just flipping around his ashes. I, I like the idea of something like that. you got to do something kind of fun with your ashes, I think. You know, I sprinkle them somewhere nice, but maybe do something like gaggy like that and, uh, you know, leave your mark a little bit. Last tweet, last tweet. Actually, I don't even know if this... It's not a tweet necessarily. It's like a meme. Meme. It's more of a meme. If you're ever feeling useless, just remember that Ben Simmons wears a shooting sleeve for every game. I about pissed my pants reading that one. Not that Ben Simmons is playing in anything, but yeah, Ben Simmons wearing a shooting sleeve is kind of about the most useless thing I've ever seen in the world. Sorry, I saw one more meme beyond that. I like this. This is a Star Wars meme, so... If you're not a Star Wars fan, tough shit. But it's uh, Jim from the office where he's got the at the little you know easel whiteboard thing, and he's pointing with the thing, and then he sits back and is kind of smiling. So it first starts. Stormtroopers don't have shitty aim. And then new slide. The peace-loving Empire always fires non-fatal warning shots, whereas the warmongering rebels destroy two massive space stations with millions on board. Just kind of kind of made me chuckle. That's kind of a an old thing going around that uh, the rebels are always blowing up massive amounts of people and killing everybody. A couple other things. Uh, Kirby Smart cashing in. Kirby Smart, the Georgia football coach, signed a 10-year, $112 million extension to his contract. 
So Kirby Smart now raking in the dough. And just the last couple things here. My cucumber harvest. It's been bountiful. Been bountiful this year. Pulled four four good sized cukes off the uh the plant this year. So really enjoyed my cucumbers this year. First year we've done cucumbers. Um our peppers. Our peppers need to pick up the pace a little bit. They gotta catch up. We got some green pep green bell peppers, some orange peppers, some jalapenos coming. Hopefully they'll uh, they'll start sprout there. You can see them. They just gotta grow out. The the uh, jalapeno peppers are close by the looks of it. Just got a, a nice rainstorm, a little sun. Maybe uh, maybe they'll pop here pretty soon. And uh, let's just finish it off with this. What have I been watching? Watch uh, the Steve Jobs movie again. Hadn't seen it in a few years. That's a good damn movie, man. The Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender. Just a, a great cast of characters. Like if you go through the cast, it's a it's a who's who of people. Um, Fassbender, Steve Jobs, Kate Winslet, Seth Rogen, Jeff Daniels, uh, who else is a, uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, he's in a lot of stuff, what's his, uh, let's see what else he's in, he's in a bunch of stuff that you know him from, he's in Men in Black 3, he's in Lincoln, Hitchcock, Doctor Strange, The Post, He's in another. He's in the new Doctor Strange. He was on Boardwalk Empire as Arnold Rothstein. He's just been in a ton of different like little stuff. So, um, bunch of good actors and actresses. Uh, fun movie. Well, maybe not fun. Maybe isn't the right thing. It's uh, it's definitely a good look. It's very interesting. You know, focuses on like the three different launches. It's not just your typical like, oh, this is how we started. This is when it went bad. Now we're good again. Like it's got that, but it, it gives it a different approach. So I like that. And uh, been watching a new TV show. Got a uh, trial to Apple TV, and didn't know if I was going to even use it. Uh, got an iPad for work, so got a trial to that because of a new, you know, you register a new device. So like, here you get three free months of Apple. So I was like, I started looking around and saw this one thing that piqued my mind. Show called For All Mankind. For All Mankind. It's a uh, it's an alternate reality like history show and the, basically the premise is that the soviet union got to the moon before the u the good old us of a did and they kind of go from there and then you know it, it kind of changes history and things of that nature um like different things create little ripple effects so i'm kind of a history nerd nut so it, it's an interesting thing i mean without spoiling too much of it the one thing because the Soviets beat us, there's like a congressional, you know, hearing that takes place as to why that happened and how nobody knew. And they make just a quick mention that Ted Kennedy is leaving Chappapitic, Chepa, whatever it is where he ended up killing that lady in the car crash. So he leaves. He doesn't stay for the party. So the car crash never happens. And then he ends up becoming president in like this alternate reality. So just kind of little cool stuff like that. Show's pretty good. Um, probably a bunch of people you've seen before too, like in other things, uh, Joel Kinnaman's kind of the lead guy. He was in, uh, Suicide Squad. There's some, some guys you've seen in other stuff here and there too. Um, Joel Kinnaman's wife, I think was in, uh, what was she in? Uh, uh the basketball high school TV show, um, with the two brothers. So you guys will remember if you know what I'm talking about. My gosh, that's going to annoy me now. The basketball TV show with the brothers. Holy crap. Oh, well. 
we'll uh we'll figure it out eventually and remember it. one tree hill that's it one tree hill thank you so yeah and then a couple guys from like the wire that you've known so fun show i like it uh a little nerdy space-based stuff and uh you know like i said that kind of alternate history so if uh if any of that uh strikes you as interesting check it out all right everybody why don't we uh why don't we go close this thing down closing time everybody let's get this thing wrapped up and head on home uh, once again, thank you to all of you guys. You know I appreciate you very much. I, I, I love the support. Thank you guys so much. Just remember, if you like it, share it with your friends. Tell somebody about it. That would mean the world to me. Uh, thanks to Bill, uh, Packer fan. You know, Packer, uh, we're in the Packer basement just crying our hearts out every year at the, uh, the end of the season when our hearts just are, I guess we're already, they're already out of our body because we've just been torn out, torn out by the uh, inevitable just disturbing playoff loss that comes our way. So thanks to Bill, like I said, we'll have him back on. There's plenty of Packer football to talk about this upcoming year. Uh, the NFL is just around the corner, guys. It's going to be a lot more NFL stuff to talk about. Next week we'll be back, as always, UFC 277. Dare I say we might talk some some flyers next week with an in-studio guest. Possible? Possible in-studio guest to talk about the flyers. So until then, guys... Peace.